98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. Opening week in the NFL has arrived. Our Sundays are booked until mid-February, and the only guarantee is that the 2022 season will end in Glendale, Arizona, where the Cardinals end up is anybody's guess, because they are a team that effectively punted on any major free agent acquisition. They are a team that left its defense underfunded, and a team that punted on the preseason like few I have ever seen. Now, they believe they're methodology fosters fast starts. But are they making a big mistake here? Because what if what you do in the preseason shows up later in late November and December? And maybe that is where you need the foundation and the discipline and the toughness once cultivated by training camp. Or maybe the fast starts are simply tied to a quarterback who is always fresh and twitchy in September. But the core of this team rarely got together on the practice field in this offseason. The only Live reps came in that one-day practice against the Titans. And wouldn't Isaiah Simmons have benefited from running some live reps, especially since he's wearing the green dot and running the defense? Now, Cliff Kingsbury has been asked about this repeatedly, and he says his guys are professionals. He says they're going to do what it takes to get ready. And no one's arguing that. But are they doing what it takes to win football games when it matters the most? All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations, one great experience. Shop online at ChapmanBMW.com. Having Vance be able to talk him through some things, I think, locks him in um, snap to snap, which has been been helpful. And just him having a better knowledge of our defensive terminologies, what we're trying to get to, um, it's really been a win-win for us so far. I think he has a better feel for what we're trying to do. And then Vance being able to talk him through some things pre-snap, I think will really help him as well. One of the points that Bick brought up in the blast today, Isaiah Simmons, green dot, uh, I think you ask a very logical question. Wouldn't it have been good for a guy in that instance uh, for the first time in his career, maybe to do it a couple times yeah. uh, outside mm-hmm. of uh, the, the parameters of practice on live reps? Uh, they chose not to. We'll see the first results of that. Uh, on Sunday against a very, very good offense uh, in in the Kansas City Chiefs, led by one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic quarterback in the entire game. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is going to have his work cut out for him. The defensive line pass rush is going to have its work cut out for it. Um, you know, J.J. Watt was not uh, seen at practice yesterday. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked to give a J.J. Watt uh, update yesterday. Same deal. Yeah, still working through it all. Still working through it all. Yeah. And... You brought this up earlier in the show, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, we don't know. Uh, when, when a player goes out with COVID, we don't know if there's symptoms. We don't know if there's what the, what the reaction is. It's been almost three weeks since J.J. Watt was, was diagnosed with uh, right. or tested positive yeah. for mm-hmm. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. In today, <laughs> and it, it changes constantly, we get it, right now. That seems like a very long recovery. From it sure does. It sure does. The thing that, that uh, and I'm sure he will be cleared to play. I, I don't think there's going to be an issue with that. I just wonder w- what kind of juice he has. If he's been slowed down by this, if he's just um, conserving all energy. Is if, there something else lingering? 
We will find out. We're going to find on out on Wednesday tomorrow when that injury report yeah. comes out. And, and Cliff Kingsbury actually even made reference to it. Somebody asked him yesterday, "Hey, what was Rondale Moore's injury?" We'll release that on Wednesday. I don't want to give anything away right here. I know y'all wait patiently for that one. <laughs> this is one of the more anticipated injury reports. Oh yeah. Well, because it's really the, the idea of going, uh, you know, Camp Marshmallow is to have everybody healthy at the start of a season. <laughs> Think about what shape this team would have been in had they gone after it Oof, in the preseason. Can you imagine? Yeah. So, but again, I don't think I do not think Marcus Golden is injury related. I I'm hoping. I think he's veteran enough where if they do give him a little bit of sugar this week, that he can come out and play football on Sunday and be good. But you know, it's it's a real real risky way of doing some business that yep. they've done here. As I as I pointed out, leaving the uh, the cornerback situation so dangerously thin. There's been a lot of stuff going on. And again, I, I've said this before. I, I'm not doing this to raise any alarm bells. You know, a lot of people think I I, I stir the pot while Jarrett stirs the soup. Well, it could be a pot of soup. Well, it could be. Kill two birds with but one stone, I'm put them in the soup. I'm just saying, back in the day when the Cardinals were a little bit on the cheap side, when they were a little bit on the frugal side, they would do what they're doing this year. And that would be take salary cap money you could use for right here and now. And use it to extend players for later. And and maybe it's a necessity, but it just sure seems to be from the old playbook that didn't get the Cardinals very far. The, the golden thing is interesting. He spoke to the media in early August. He went on Burns and Gamble, I believe, on August 3rd. He hasn't been on the practice field or didn't participate in any preseason games since it's September 6th. Yeah. Yeah, you you're going to you're going to want to you're going to want to get this done by Wednesday's practice. And I, I remember think. talking to people at that very practice, people who were there every day with good, you know, knowledge of inner workings of contracts and negotiations and they all painted this picture like Golden, he's so important to the defense. He wants to be here. Just give him a little something to, to to pacify him going into the season. And yet here we are a month into this, and he's still not going. Now, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about Marcus Golden, uh, the update on his status yesterday. It's going to be a game-time deal. Um, we'll continue to progress him, and hopefully Wednesday he can do something. Um, and he's a guy that if he even has limited practices, there'll, there'll be a role for him, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I, that was portrayed very much as a minor toe injury, was it not? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Like, that's four or five weeks? I forget who we talked. Overcautious? Talk. Yeah, well, listen, overcautious. But again, if it's a hold-in situation, it might not have anything to do with the toe at all. Yeah. If it's a hold-in situation and nothing changes, right? nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. But it's it, it it to me. I forget what guest we had on. I think maybe maybe it was Mike Florio who said that the NFL is not a fan of this holding stuff that's happening. It was Florio, yeah. yeah. And you, you it, this will be addressed. <laughs> Football teams do not like this whatsoever. But don't you think there's still ways around that if you're an organization? I don't know. Just, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's up to the media to speculate on contract status, and that's a lot of what's happening right here. Although mm-hmm. Marcus Golden led to that speculation too, saying, "Yeah, he'd like something, you know, a little something for the effort." Yeah, you know, a little, a little something for the effort. <laughs> Said, "Hey, hey, Lama." So Bidwell doesn't give me a new contract. So he jumps but, ship in Hong Kong, but he says. On your deathbed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You will receive total consciousness. 
which is like I wish got that going for him. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. Yeah, no, it's the greatest. What do you, what do you mean stupid? I mean, that, that was all ad-libbed, you know, in that movie. And they yeah, just, I've heard. <laughs> the directors were They were all like, gooned up on moon juice oh, to they were, you, Jared. Not only were they gooned up on moon juice, they were mooned up on the goon juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, look, it, it's finally game week. I cannot wait to see, you know, the, the, what this team looks like when when the yeah. snaps are real. Um, you couldn't ask for a tougher challenge in week one for the way that the Cardinals are constructed. I hope next Monday we're we're coming on the air and we're talking about a positive performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, team flick the switch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll rewind again. It doesn't mean anything year to year. If I was a gambling man, mm-hmm. I would have picked the Tennessee Titans to absolutely blow the doors off the Cardinals in week one last year. Mm-hmm. And we saw the exact opposite of that. And then we saw the Cardinals reel off six more victories in a row after that. I, the mystery is just crazy. And, and I'm even looking at like NFL uh, Network, Good Morning Football. They're all unveiling their playoff picks. And it's all over the place. Peter Schrager's got him as a wild card. Jason McCourty picked the Cardinals to win the West. That's with two wow. Super Bowl contenders in their in their division to win the West. Yeah, you know what? I, there's a lot of faith being given to Trey Lance by a lot of these people who are putting together power rankings. I'm telling you that. I keep seeing the 49ers as a top 10 team. Says who? If, I mean... Roster-wise, absolutely. Well, right, but if you don't have the quarterback, you ain't got a top-10 team. But are you sure you don't have the quarterback? I, I'm not sure of anything. I mean, the 49ers aren't sure either. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Uh, coming up next, we saw the first offering of post-ASU Jaden Daniels, and it came up just a little bit short. We'll get into that and more college football next. Bickley Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And it's a redshirt freshman kicker, Damian Ramos, who might be the most nervous person in the Superdome right now. Roy to snap, Ramlet to hold, to send it to free football. Snap, spot, blocked! Yeah! It's no good! No! It's blocked! Shaheen Brown got his men on it! Fire up the war chant and plant the spear! Those win! Those win! Mike Norvell, you have your signature win! Early on in non-conference play! That's uh, obviously the Florida State Radio Network on a Sunday night when LSU uh, decided not to block a guy off the edge, and uh, they blocked the extra wow. point that would have sent the game into overtime with no time left. That was after Jaden Daniels, who, in my opinion, was absolutely awful in the first half of that game, but got better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, led them on a 99-yard game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. drive. He hit eight passes in a row. Uh, to end the game, and that special teams wise, it was an absolute nightmare for LSU all night long. Two muffed punts, uh, a blocked kick, a blocked extra point. Um, 
you know, they, they were they were just not buttoned up at all. I yeah, listen, I I thought a lot of what we saw from Jane Daniels early was very much like what we saw at his time at ASU. In fact, Brian Kelly thought he was tucking and running the ball too often and yes. not delivering it. Second half, he showed exactly what he was like in his best moments at ASU, performing extremely well in the clutch. The ending of that game was positively nuts. You had L- you had LSU getting ready to get the ball back, and they had a guy muff a punt for a second time, and he literally had to be dragged off the field. His grief and despair was so great; it was a, it was just a, it, uh, you felt terrible for the kid. And here, and now here you've got Florida State on the goal line, ready to. S- seal this thing away, and they throw a pitch out to a running back who drops it for a fumble. Then LSU takes over on the one-yard line, goes 99 yards. There's a a controversy and a replay that takes about five minutes. They get one down from the one, and Jaden Daniels finds his third read for a touchdown. You're right about that delay. It was ridiculous. That was unbelievable. It was ridiculous, but I think that that if you're you're LSU, you came away feeling very good about Jaden Daniels by the end of it. A lot of people are saying, though, if if you're – because Brian Kelly was very, very quick to blame his coaching staff and his special teams shock right um why did he go for two at that moment could you imagine the boldness and the audacity if if that had worked less miles would have gone for two mm. uh here's by you brian on uh, what went wrong i was proud of our resolve um we battled um but you know we we, we just have to learn how to play the game um the right way and that is for four quarters, um, we we didn't play with uh, the kind of sense of urgency that I want uh, for four quarters, and that was evident in our play. We didn't tackle very well. We couldn't get off the field on third down. Um, we didn't execute very well um, offensively. Uh, I'll be a fan of any time Brian Kelly loses a football game. Yeah, same I can't, here. Can't stand the yeah, guy. Same here. Uh, the Jaden Daniels thing seemed to be a very hot local topic. On will you root for him? And most ASU fans say no, won't root for him. There was some awkwardness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know the, way the, he left, the, the, the investigation's still going yeah. on, and his mom's been dragged into the investigation by very, very early reports. The fact that he releases a video saying, "I'm coming back for another year," when nobody asked for the video, and right. then he transfers anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I know you're uh, right. We it, did it, see vintage Jaden Daniels though. After that blocked extra point, camera catches him on the sideline, basically looking at the camera with that goofy, awkward smile on his face. And I don't care if I'm not speaking for every ASU fan, but I'm speaking for a lot of them that stuff drove me nuts last year uh for a quarterback that totally regressed and a lot of it was blamed on the offensive coordinator and a lot of it was blamed on the wide receivers he went to lsu Mm -hmm. and lsu has a very good receiver that may may not be on his way out already after a frustrating opening game but they've got like five-star recruits four and five-star recruits at wide receiver and that passing game still was Six yards, five mm-hmm. yards, dink four dunk, yards, dink dink dunk. Dunk. the longest mm-hmm. completion they had all night was 22 yards. Yep. You get what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this. I'm glad Emory Jones is the quarterback for ASU this year. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I, I I'm not going to argue with it, argue with that. I'm just I'm just going to say that Jaden Daniels really showed some big time stuff to to rescue a night that was really really bad. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't and, have been it shouldn't have been salvageable. By the way, with yeah, all the mistakes that LSU made, Florida State should have buried them. And I, if, I don't think Florida yeah. State's a great team either. No. I, and listen, Mike Norvell. I've always I've always thought. Listen, I know some people argue with me about this. I remember once ASU opened up their doors 
um, to allow the media an inside look at the coaching staff. Yeah, and it was fascinating, wasn't it? It was fascinating. Yeah. And Mike Norvell, at that point in time, was the offensive coordinator. I remember going in and sitting in a meeting, and he was flexing like I've ever seen a coach, a young coach, flex in front of his team. He was literally calling himself an elite-level playmaker. To to his crew, and I just thought, wow, this guy he, he's he's fond of himself. I'll say that much. So, but this was a good moment for him and, and his team. That played notwithstanding, that game was in New Orleans. LSU was supposed to be an SEC power. That game should not have been close by my scorecard. And the, uh, yeah. So and so, had they not fumbled, there would be people doing exactly what you're talking about. There, Jaden Daniels would be under a microscope. He'd be he'd be in the crosshairs right now if FSU doesn't fumble that ball, allowing Jaden Daniels to get down that field. And he barely got him down in time. Yeah. There was nothing. There were no big. Da- it was all with his legs. Yeah. And as some people have pointed out, few quarterbacks expect. Escape pressure as smoothly as Jaden Daniels does. Like Kyler Murray, it's woo, 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 woo. Jaden Daniels. It just—it's like he's well, on ice skates. Yeah, he's got the long stride, yeah. longer legs. You're right. He, he is very smooth, but it does happen very quick. That first read's not there. We saw it a lot of times in the first half. Yeah, I, think and I was having the yeah. thoughts in the first half too because Brian Kelly didn't announce his starter for that game until the, the afternoon of the game because you know tactical advantages. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, and you still lost the game. But my thought in the first half was like, wow, this Garrett Nussmeyer kid must really suck. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Jaden Daniels did not look comfortable in the first half at all. Shut up, Garrett. Shut up, Garrett. <laughs> you Nussmeyer. Um, th- so That's got to was- be one of the worst special teams performances since, what, the 2017 Cardinals? <laughs> the Amos Jones? Yeah, that was that was uh, Amos might have been gone the year before that. Sixteen, sixteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all had flashbacks. I mean, they had two muff punts and two block kicks, including a ga- a game tying extra point. Yeah, just oh, sloppy what a stuff. Night. Um, in the Pac-12, we talked about Arizona's win. They were impressive. I think ASU was uh, more buttoned up than anybody expected, even against an FCS opponent in NAU. Um, Oregon was just completely overmatched by Georgia. That's got to be disheartening for the conference, and especially when two of your top three teams went on the road to play SEC teams and both of them lost. Now, Utah lost in heartbreaking fashion um, in Gainesville, and that was a true road game as opposed to the neutral site game that, that Oregon played against Georgia. But Utah was ranked seventh. Utah was ranked yeah. seventh. They might have been overranked. They probably were overranked. Um Florida looked good to me. This Anthony Richardson kid, that that touchdown pass where he just kind of stopped and spun around and completely juked a defense. Yeah. I've never seen anybody do that before. Well, it was, I, I'm telling you, it was a real alarming weekend for the Pac-12. Arizona schools might have had the best of opening week in college football. Did you see the crowd at the Rose Bowl? Did anything say Ooh. Pac-12 more than the crowd at the Rose Bowl? Friends and family day at the Rose Bowl. Maybe it, they already thought they It was the worst crowd in 30 years. Yeah. They thought they moved to the Big Ten and the game was in the Midwest or something. But again, a day game in Southern California, yeah. so oh, much, of the, much yeah. of the refrain no. was, I'm not going to go sit out there. We have air conditioning and beaches. Mm-hmm. I'll, go, I'll go out there. Uh-huh. Which I don't blame. They're playing Bowling Green, for goodness sakes. Well, I, yeah, and it was like I said, they were in the midst of it, a heat wave. and yeah, I yeah. can't wait for the first Big Ten road game versus UCLA and all the you know fans of the opposing teams get like uh, hotels in downtown LA and then they realize that the stadium is in Pasadena <laughs> like an hour away 
<laughs> that's that's you funny. don't think football fans from the Midwest actually research you know, on where they're staying? Ferret, you <laughs> might be they're right. Pre- they're pretty good travelers, actually. Uh, coming up next, Cardinals game week is here. And uh, projections for Kyler Murray this year. Pretty interesting. We'll get into that next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It is the Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming to you live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jarrett Carlin with you. It feels so good after a long weekend. Oh, does First it? First show of the week when you don't say it's the Monday edition. Oh, it, that great? Listen, this was a, to me, this was, I, w- I was contemplating putting a list of the big winners of the sports weekend together. <laughs> you okay back there, Jarrett? <laughs> Hi, I can, I'm Detour Dan. I can answer Hi. that question. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I would I would range everywhere from Taylor Hawkins' son playing drums with the Foo Fighters oh. to to Wolfgang Van Halen sounding just like his father. That concert, by the way, was insanely good. Uh, you had any number of performers in college football, and then you've got the Diamondbacks. You got Zach Gallen with this historic streak going on, and then you get a rookie who comes in and uh, pulls a Zach Gallon, throws seven scoreless innings. This is like the new thing for the Diamondbacks, starting pitchers throwing seven scoreless innings. Yes, it was a good Labor Day weekend. Yeah, It was, it was a good weekend to have a, a, a hardware which we don't have. That's yeah. exactly what right. Vic said before. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I was, because I was going to give a commitment award to these two guys. See, my young son, my little dude, he's into Dungeons and Dragons. Okay? He's young enough where it's not, what a dork. Okay? So I took him to a, a shop, a specialty shop. I don't know. How old is he? 13 now? Just turned 13. He's borderlining on okay. what a dork. Okay. No, I'm just joking. I'll tell, him you, I'll tell him you said so. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, uh, so we were in the specialty store that sells a lot of these figures, and there were a couple of older dudes having a detailed conversation about orcs. And what how, a orc. And I, and I was thinking about you because I was almost screamed out, what an orc. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped on your punch. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, that's that's pretty you funny. You stepped so. on, my, on my punchline and he insulted my son. So it's all good. Wow. Let's move on. I'm wow. only Let's joking. Wow. Hey, Dan, your sister. hair looks great today. <laughs> when I was 13 years best, old. You're the best, You're the best. When I was 13 years old, I had a sister um, who was kind of of the nerdish variety who for Christmas gave me Dungeons and Dragons, and I had shown no interest in it. And then I started to look into it, and I was like, eh, this is not for me. Yeah, I never played it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea what it's all about. Uh, I ran across this in terms of quarterback projections. On uh, and Many people might have seen this, and I actually tweeted about it yesterday. Projecting quarterback performances for all 272 games. Mike Clay is ESPN.com's fantasy expert, the guru they call him. And they did it, yes, for all 272 games. And I went through the results just to see what they had Kyler Murray doing. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of this piece? I did not. No. I don't want to rip it too hard because it, it's a great-looking piece, and obviously a lot of work went into it. But seemingly every week, and I went week by week, and they even omitted a week for Kyler Murray, he had anywhere from 235 to 260 passing yards and two touchdowns. That was the finding. Like, these projections didn't even have an NFL quarterback throwing for 300 yards in a game until week five, and it was Tom Brady. I was like, this. all this work went to something that's so useless. There was yeah. nothing to glean from, from any of it. 
Now, if you want to talk about projections mm-hmm. uh, without going analytic and and formulaic and, and mathematical with it, I think Kyler Murray should be shooting for over 4,000 yards passing. And I don't think yeah. 30 touchdowns should be out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And if he reaches those numbers... Now we're talking. Yeah. Listen, listen, if he plays at that level, that means he's borderline MVP candidate. And if he's borderline MVP candidate, I think all these other little issues that we're talking about don't mean a whole heck of a lot. I think you can overcome a whole bunch of issues on a football team if you've got an MVP quarterback um, on your roster. And and I think to do that, it's going to have to be a blend. Uh, again, when you when you look at the the fast start last year, what you really have to ask yourself about the Cardinals is how much of it was the Cardinals and how much of it was just a real twitchy dual threat Kyler Murray. He had seven touchdown passes in the first two games last year. He had three rushing touchdowns in each of the first three games, which means he was doing it all at the start of last year. And I think that provided the fuel to get to 7-0, to get to 10-2. and And then we all kind of, unfortunately, witnessed what happened after that. Uh, I, I'm right there. If he's in that level, if he's in the 4,000-plus yards, 30 touchdowns-plus, then things are going to work out well for the Cardinals. Look, and I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and this might be stretching it, but 30, 30 touchdown passes... And double-digit touchdown runs for Kyler Murray. Okay, did then that. you're talking some. Yeah, he did that two years ago. Mm-hmm. If those are per, uh, the, the the marks he can reach, mm-hmm. especially without DeAndre Hopkins, then at yeah. the end of the year, you're talking about Kyler Murray being an MVP candidate. Yeah, you would think that it, this year is perfectly set up for Kyler Murray to do all his running in the first half, and then all his pocket passing in the second half if you want to delineate it that way because of DeAndre Hopkins' return. I do think that for for all the skill for the, all the skill players the Cardinals might have without DeAndre Hopkins, I think winning at any game in the first six is going to require real heavy lifting from Kyler Murray. Yeah, I I agree. Especially considering the the, the strength of schedule yeah. there, absolutely. Um, other uh, stories uh, after we got off the air on Friday, a couple things broke: the expanded playoff field in, in college football and uh, locally, the Cardinals announcing the contract extension for Jalen Thompson. There had been some speculation on, hey, who was going to be the next guy? Would it be Marcus Golden? Would it be Jalen Thompson to get that contract extension? It was Thompson. Uh, he talked about getting that new deal. I mean, I was pretty confident that it would come. Um, just one of those things. Uh, had to just keep playing throughout the training camp, not really focus on that, focusing on that and just worrying about Kansas City. Um, and for the most part, it uh, doesn't really change much. You know what I mean? Still got that chip on my shoulder um, and still going to go out there and, and do what I do. Yeah, no, but tough uh Tough assignment, as we've talked about, week one for that whole secondary going against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Here was Jalen Thompson on that. He's a playmaker. He, you know, extends plays. He can um, do all the little stuff. Um, so, you know, going against a guy like Kyler is big in this week right here. So, just got to, when we see our ones this week, we got to stay on our toes and make sure that we're doing the right stuff so that we're ready for this week against uh, Mahomes. We've all taken turns at maligning Steve Kimes' recent draft history. Mm-hmm. And because Jalen Jalen Thompson wasn't a traditional draft pick. He was a supplemental guy. He doesn't get lumped in. Jalen Thompson right now is looking like one of the big draft wins for some yeah. time. If, yeah. if you want to branch it out to supplemental. When you can get a guy, you gave up a fifth round pick in that supplemental draft to get him. He came in very late in the process. Uh, learned, that, learned the defense, became a tr- contributor. And here he is. 
With the buzz around Jalen Thompson, it wouldn't shock me to see the Cardinals have two Pro Bowl safeties this year. Ooh, it's a possibility. Okay, yeah, I guess it's a possibility. I think that'd be a lot to ask, um, I, I, especially if this defense turns out to be vulnerable and gives up a lot of stats and yards and points. Um, I'm just curious to see what this great improvement in Jalen Thompson looks like. That's what I'm curious against real competition because mm-hmm. – you know, everybody from Dave Pash to others have raved about him as a potential breakout guy this year. And he got paid. So the Cardinals see it, too. Yeah, and they're paying both of their safeties yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah so uh, again, challenge in week one, no doubt about it. Coming up next, if you needed another reason to get excited about the Arizona Diamondbacks' future, they gave you one last night. We'll tell you more about it next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. And a 2-0 pitch. Beatty swings. And he hits it in the air to right. Should end the inning. McCarthy underneath it. The boos are already out. And now the catch is made. Inning is over. And Nelson, seven shutout innings on the road in San Diego to begin his major league career. Chris Garagiola on the call. Ryan Nelson, the latest Diamondbacks rookie, and there's been a ton of them this year alone, come up, make their Major League debut, have an impact. He was fantastic yeah. last night against a tough lineup. I love the fact, I mentioned this earlier too, not only did you hear booing there, you heard the Padres fans already booing Juan Soto. They booed after the uh, the last out of the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, the D-backs are doing that to a lot of teams now. I, I think giving teams that are you know in the playoff chase this false sense of security. Ah, mm-hmm. the D-backs are coming to town. They're all 22 years old. We'll be able to mop these guys up. And that's just not happening right now. These guys are playing with such amazing confidence. Yeah, listen, it, it, it's funny. It's, it's one thing to have a bunch of rookies in a youth movement. It's another thing to have a bunch of high-profile rookies who, who don't feel like they're underdogs, who don't who aren't necessarily in awe of what they're doing, who believe that it's their destiny to be doing what they're doing. That's the kind of feeling I'm getting from this Diamondbacks team, to see them continue to perform the way they have. It's not that they've just won 10 of their last 13 games, I believe is the streak. It, it's been 13 games against good teams. They, they, they have not been playing the dregs of Major League Baseball, no. which really makes you encouraged. Um, you've seen it where they, they spanked the Phillies two games in a row. The Phillies clapped back with the 22-hit performance. That's going to happen when you embarrass teams that are real pedigreed and, and competing for, for postseason berths. Um, we'll see what, what happens with the Padres. If Merrill Kelly goes out and dials it up again like he's been doing, yeah, that crowd's going to get nutty. And and then you might see a Game 3 performance from San Diego like we got from the Phillies. But what they're telling people is they're not afraid of this moment. And that's super cool to me. Which has not been the case over the last couple no. of years, too. There, there's been plenty of times where a young team that wasn't necessarily equipped to compete uh, looked like they were out of place taking on the best teams in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. So uh, there's that. Here's Tori Lovello, manager of the Diamondbacks last night, talking about his young right-handers debut last night. I'm aligned with them. I think the whole team is. I think this whole organization is. And we're proud of them. We're proud of them for coming in here and, and slowing the game down and executing um, pitches. And I talked to you pregame, right? There's small concerns and um, with the lineup that he had to face, but he eliminated that quickly. You could tell he was on the attack, and he did a great job. Everything, everything worked out 
out really well for him. And that early test got him through um, that probably that nervousness that, that pushed him through the rest of the game. This particular situation wasn't learned today. It's something that he's been probably picking up in bits and pieces through player development. So he went to all of his resources and he just slowed the game down and executed. Um, yeah, my heart was beating a little bit for him. I'm not going to lie. And I think the whole dugout felt the same way, but it was about him making a pitch when he had to. Look, it's early. It's one game, but man, did he look comfortable out yeah. there. He talked about it afterwards. Say, hey, my dad was probably more ner- nervous than I was. Uh, he looked in control. He struck out Manny Machado twice, the second time looking, and Machado just looked absolutely baffled by the pitch that Nelson threw. So if you extrapolate this to the future, and you look at, at building blocks and building a competitive team, and this is the way the Diamondbacks have to do it now with their own draft picks and development. But you got Zach Gallen established. It looks like he's an ace. Merrill Kelly as a veteran, an older guy, as, as a number two. Tommy Henry's pitched very well. If this Ryan Nelson thing wasn't a fluke and no, he's not going to pitch seven shutout innings every night, that's four-fifths of a rotation moving forward. Yeah. Um, that's something to be excited about. Then you talk about the outfield uh, and the other prospects that are you know a year or two away. I hate to be, you know keep beating the the drum the same way, but this is a different feeling. If you followed the Diamondbacks since day one, this is a different feeling than you've ever had mm-hmm. about the construction of a team in this organization. I noticed when you were going through the rotation, you didn't mention the bucking Bronco in the room. The Madison Bumgarner still two years left in his deal. Where does he fit in a rotation that is filled with such good young talent that you want to get in the rotation? Look, if you're in a situation where you gotta you gotta put him out there or you gotta eat a contract, I mean, there, there's two options right there. But Madison Bumgarner's getting up there in years. And, mm-hmm. So ineffective as a starter right now. Yeah. Maybe a switch to the bullpen might be in the future. In, maybe. In, in, in the, the fourth and fifth year of that contract. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm not sure where that's going, but I, I that's not what I want to focus on right now. I want to focus on two things here. Uh, number one would be uh, the vibe that this baseball team is creating with their style of play. They're, they're, they're winning games with, with speed and with defense and, and with legs. And it, it's, it's not what generally we've seen in Major League Baseball recently. And, and the fact that Padres fans were getting so um, weirded out yesterday, Tyler Gilbert threw his no-hitter against the Padres. Yeah. So there's a lot for coming from them like, oh, really? Anybody the Diamondbacks promote shuts us down. Well, I mean, <laughs> there is something to be said for th- those debuts because there was a stretch when the Diamondbacks were going up against, and it, 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 this is in the past few years, mm-hmm. a stretch where they'd go up against a young pitcher making his debut, mm-hmm. and they had no answer because they had no intel. <laughs> there was no scouting report on those guys. So you have to figure that in, too. Well, yes, and, and I think instead of focusing on, on, on Madison Bumgarner and what he's not doing, I think it's more appropriate to look at Zach Gallen and and look at this run that he's on and appreciate it for what it is. He's sort up the list of Cy Young candidates recently yes. based on his last six starts, and, and he's just making it look so routine. Now, there's a lot of really good candidates in, in the National League. I mean, uh, he's, I don't think he's going to win it. The Dodgers have two or three. Mm-hmm. Alcantara from Miami's been amazing. Um, there, there's candidates, but just the fact, that, to your point, that he's inserted himself in the conversation Indeed, now that right? he'll probably he's in position to receive votes for that, especially if he continues and closes the season out that way. Something to be said for well, that, especially when at the beginning of the season we were all kind of like, "Well, what is when Zach Allen going to get back to looking like the ace of the staff? When is it? What do we really have with Zach?" And then here it is; it's just all kind of come together for him and materialized for him. 
Yeah, uh, last night uh, after Nelson left the game, seven scoreless innings, 86 pitches, one of the most efficient starts we've seen from the Diamondbacks, any pitcher this year. I, I tweeted about it and just said, you know, welcome to the big leagues. It was fun to watch. Got a response from a, uh, Jim, a listener, said, so excited for the young kids coming up. And then a response to that from, again, the real negative faction of, of, of Diamondbacks fandom. And maybe they're not even fans. Maybe they're just absolute 100% haters. But enjoy them now before they get traded. There's that. I, I mean, I mean, Vic, you've known me for a long time. But enjoy them now. Yeah, exactly. But you've known me for a really long time, right? Wait, you know I'm you're dead the one inside. Who just wanted to talk about Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> what hypocrite says what? No, no, no. <laughs> because I'm I'm saying how like it's the the, the proverbial turd in the punch bowl. All right. So I, yes, uh, I've known you for a long time, Vinny. Finish your thought. You I'm know sorry. I'm dead inside. Yes. You know I'm a pessimist by nature. Do me a favor, as a friend of mine, Certainly. for 20 plus years, Certainly. please do me a favor. Certainly. If I ever get that pessimistic, <laughs> smother me with a pillow. Please. Put All me right. out of my misery. Gotcha. Put, put everybody else out of my misery, too. I'll, right. make it, I'll make it even more. I'll make it one of Jared's pillows. <laughs> That'd be a way to go. Little hairs in your nice mouth. All the hairs. <laughs> Peak misery. There's something else in my mouth now. Puke alert. It's a little, it's a little throw up. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Uh, very cool. Not, not cool at all. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we'll hit some social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.